Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome back to Babylon Talmud. Today we're studying Daf Samachay, uh, Daf 65. Today we finished the, which parak do we finish? The fifth parak, and we start the sixth parak. How many prakim are there? I think there are ten prakim in Psachim. So we're really, we're really moving along over here on Masechta Psachim. We're more than halfway through, really right in, pretty much right in the middle section of Masech Psachim, so that's exciting stuff. We will discuss uh, washing the Azara on Shabbos Erev Pesach. Okay, that's what we're going to discuss. Also, um, when they would like plug up the Azara so that all of the blood would accumulate over there. We're going to see that a little bit. And then we start our new parak, the sixth, the sixth parak, um, and we're going to discuss more details of Offering the Korban Pesach when Erev Shabbos is on, well, when Erev Pesach is on Shabbos. Let us begin on Daf Samachay. Uh, two lines from the top. So the Mishnah says that the, when the first uh, group is done offering the Korban Pesach, so then the second group would come in. Tani Yinikres Kasatzlonis. Interesting. So we learn in a brisa that this last final group was called a lazy group. But the Gemara says, what did they do wrong? Why do you have to put them down? Why, why do you have to call them the lazy group? Someone's going to have to be in the third group. After all, there have to be third three groups. So someone's going to have to be in the last one. So my avidum What should they have done? It was inevitable. But even so, they should have been, you know, more, um, I don't know, excited, more, you know, uh, uh, assertive that they should have made sure to be in the first group, right? Don't, don't, don't be of those who, you know, are, you know, are going to be the type that would end up in the last group. If you want, you could be in the first group. If you cared, you could be in the first group. Now, Kedetanya, or... I wouldn't even say it like that, but let's see. Kedetanya is within the Bible. Rebbe Omer says, Rebbe, Yef shalolim v'lo basam, v'lo borsi, asher mishum noso basam, oilo mishum noso borsi. Look, at the end of the day, someone's going to have to be a perfume maker and someone's going to have to be a tanner. Better to be the perfume maker than to be the tanner. Yef shalolim v'lo zcharim v'lo nekevos, asher mishabonim zcharim, oilo mishabonim nekevos. Uh-oh. Well, the Gemara also says, that the world has to have men and the world has to have women. Better that your children should be boys and that they should be girls. All right. Okay. Sounds good. Well, okay. Anyways, so it's interesting conceptually, right? That the way the world works, you know, pieces are going to have to fall into place one way or another. But, you know, let's just at least focus on the first metaphor but like someone's gonna have to be the perfume maker someone's gonna have to be the tanner may as well kind of try to organize your cards as best as you can to try to be the perfume maker not the tanner very interesting well i mean we see things like this come up um from time to time also right there's there's the there's the halacha of the ma'akeh right put up a fence around your roof so that nobody falls off your roof right and you know the, 
the Medrash says that this person was destined to fall off a roof anyways. He did something wrong. For whatever it is, he had to be a person who's going to fall off of a roof. But still, it doesn't have to be your roof. You know, there's, there's, uh, I don't know, it's interesting to think about trying to put yourself in a position where you can kind of, um, benefit, you know, or whatever, um, be able to have a better reality. Um, fine. So, in the same way that they would do the Korban Pesach during the week, they would also do the Korban Pesach on Shabbos. The only difference is that on Shabbos, they would wash the floors. But when they washed the floors, the rabbis were not excited about that. They were not happy that they were washing the floors. Who is this rabbis who were not excited that they were washing the floors? Which is also interesting, you know, because... The Chachamim in general. Who are these Chachamim? It's such a moving target. And it's like these general vague Chachamim people group. Is it a group? Is it a person? What is it? And the thing is, I think it could be, you know, first of all, I think the Chachamim are relative. So when it comes to, let's say, a Machlokas between Rabbi Eliezer and the Chachamim, I think the Chachamim would be Rabbi Yoshua. If it's like Machlokas between Rabbi Yossi and the Chacham, I think the Chachamim could be Reb Meir, Reb Shimon, Reb Yehuda, Ki'ilu, it depends what generation you are. If it's Reb Kiva, maybe it's Reb Shmuel. So I think, you know, Chacham is relative in that sense, that it depends who we're talking about and who he would be arguing with. But also sometimes Chacham could even just be one person, as we're going to see right now. Right? Shalobetzonman, when we say that they would wash the floors of the Azare in the context of the Korban Pesach when it was on Shabbos, and it wasn't like the Chachamim. So who is this Chacham that it wasn't like? It was, it was, it's not like Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer wasn't into it. Well, because I guess if it would be the, the rabbis who argue on Rabbi Eliezer, well then they say that washing, that, right, that sweeping at least, and we're comparing washing the floor of the Azar to sweeping, would only be a shvus, and ain't shvus b'mikdash, would only be also midarabanan. And we know that darabanans in the Beis HaMikdash um, are waived in the context of doing the avoda, as we saw in depth at the end of Mesechta Eruvin. Mayhi, what's this machlokas between Rabbi Eliezer and the Chachamim, where Rabbi Eliezer says that you're not allowed to, or from which we understand that Rabbi Eliezer would say that you're not allowed to wash the azar. The Tanya, as we learn in the Bryce, echad acholev, vechad mechabetz, vechad kigrogris, if you have somebody who milks or kind of makes curds of cheese uh, or curds of milk, and somebody makes cheese, kigrogris, of course we know from Mesech to Shabbos that the size of a dried fig is the um, default amount when it comes to foods uh, on Shabbos. Hamachabed v'amirabetz v'arode chalos tvash b'shogeg b'shabbos. And somebody who sweeps the floor or pours some water on the floor to keep down the dust or somebody who takes down honeycombs by accident, Bishabbos, right? All these things are talking about by accident. Chayev Chatas, he's going to be Chayev Akorban Chatas. And if it wasn't Shabbos, if it was Yomtiv and he did these things on purpose, well then we will whip him. Tivir Beliezer, that is Rabbi Eliezer's opinion. That these things, now this isn't talking about milking and making cheese, because those are, um, um, I think, toladus. 
but uh, sweeping and keeping down the dust with water and taking down um, honeycombs. So the Chacham say that that would only be a shivus. So we see that we have a machlokas between Rabbi Eliezer and the Chachamim regarding sweeping, if that would be considered Asumidu Raisa, like Rabbi Eliezer says, or only Asumidu Rabbanon, like the Chachamim say. And therefore, since Rabbi Eliezer says that um, sweeping is Asumidu Raisa, and we're comparing washing the floor of the Azara to sweeping, so therefore, it wouldn't be allowed to be done in the base of Mikdash according to Rabbi Eliezer. But according to the Chacham, it's only Asmid Rabbanon and Ein Shavus Mikdash, and you would be allowed to, um, theoretically, you should be allowed to wash the floor according to the Chachamim in the base of Mikdash on Shabbos. Ravashi, Omer says, Ravashi, Afilu Tema Shalobetun Chacham. Ravashi says, no, you can even say that the Chachamim would not be into washing the floor of the Azara on Shabbos because Reb Nosani, it's like Reb Nosin, that Reb Nosen says that even in the Beis HaMikdash, when we say that they were allowed to do Dirabonans in Shvus Bamikdash, when we say that Isurei Dirabonans do not apply in the Beis HaMikdash, that's specifically within the context of doing the Avoda. In this case, the Avoda was already done, right? This is after the fact. It's after you slaughtered a whole bunch of sheep that you want to wash the floor. But at that point, it's no longer in the context of Avodah. So therefore, even the Chacham, who say it's a Shavos, would say that you would not be allowed to wash the floor of the Azara because it's no longer in the context of the Avodah. Rabbi Yudah Omer, Rabbi this interesting opinion, which is that you take a cup full of all the collective blood that gathered on the floor of the Azara during the shechting of the Korban Pesach. You take this cup and you know, at least symbolically, it would, uh, but I guess technically we're saying more than symbolically, but this blood that you scoop up into this cup from all of the, of the, uh, sheep that were slaughtered over there will contain some blood from all of the sheep that were slaughtered. And therefore, even if you had one sheep that all of its blood fell on the floor, well, by taking this cup full of blood, you will have at least some of the blood of that sheep in this cup. And when you throw this collective blood on the Mizbeach, you will, you know, be motzi all of the Korban Pesachs for Zrikas Dam, even if the blood of a particular one fell on the floor. Okay? Tanya, we learn in a bracer, Rabbi Yehuda Omer says, Rabbi Yehuda, Kosoi Memale Midamata Ruvos, that says Rabbi Yehuda, they would fill up a cup with all of the collective blood. Shem Yishofech Domo, Shelechod Meen, so that if the blood of one of the Korban Pesachs fell on the floor, so by taking this cup full of all the blood and throwing it on the Mizbeach, well then it will be kosher. Right? That Korban Pesach whose blood fell on the floor will now be kosher. They said to Rabbi Yehudah, So, yeah, but in order for Zerika Saddam to work, the blood will have had to have been received in a vessel, right? Meaning, of course, as we know by now, there's the Shrita of the Korban Pesach, but then there's the Kabbalah Saddam, that, uh, you know, putting the, uh, some kind of a receptacle opposite the neck of the animal to receive all the blood, and then you bring it to the Mizbech, and then you throw it on the Mizbech. So the Chacham said to Rabbi Yudah, while taking a cup full of blood from the collective blood of all the animals may contain some of the blood of that animal that fell on the, that whose blood fell on the floor, but 
there was no Kabbalah in a Klesharis. There was no Kabbalah Saddam. So Menayade, so the Gemara says, well, how did they know that there was no Kabbalah Saddam? Maybe the blood was into the receptacle, and then the receptacle fell on the floor, and we lost the blood. This is what they were saying to Rabbi Maybe, um, there was, maybe there was no Kabbalah Saddam. Okay, fine. Omer Lein. So he says to them, So says Rabbi to them, yeah, you're right. I'm only talking about this collective blood working for uh, Corbin Pesach's, whose blood was initially received in a klisharis, um, and then fell on the floor. Minoyada. Well, how does Rabbi Huda know if the blood of this particular Corbin Pesach that is now collectively being gathered into this cup was received in a klisharis? So Kohanim is reasoning. So the Gemara says, well, because Kohanim are very meticulous, and therefore they're going to be sure that the blood was received properly in a Kli. But he's reason, am I mishtapich? <laughs> the Gemara says, yeah, but if they're so meticulous, then... Why did blood spill onto the floor? Well, because they're so meticulous, they're overly meticulous, that they're so meticulous that somehow, I guess they were, I don't know, so involved in what they were doing that somehow they lost grip of, of, of it. Okay, I don't know. I guess they, they were so excited and there was so much going on that somehow even after they received the blood in the Klisharis, it somehow slipped out of their hands and fell on the floor. Okay. But Next question. The blood that we throw on the Mizbeach is the Dam Hanefesh, right? And we've seen this before somewhere. I can't remember where, but that um, there is the blood that when you shech the animal, it's like the initial blood that kind of squirts out, and that is how the animal dies. But then there's like, once the animal's already dead, there's like blood in the neck, that can kind of still come out. And that's what's called Damatamtsis. So now, on the floor of the Azara, there's going to be all sorts of bloods. Sure, there's going to be Dama Nefesh, but there's also going to be Damatamtsis. This blood that, you know, the animal was already dead and it was just kind of dripping onto the floor. And as Rashi says, that's probably going to be most of what the blood on the floor is, is this Damatamtsis. And therefore, even if you have this, you know, one Corbin whose blood fell on the floor, it's going to be bottle in the pool of Damatamtsis. And therefore, even if you take a cup full of this blood, Mistama, it's, it's really has to be just treated as Damatamtsis, as this blood that you wouldn't throw in the Mizbeach. And therefore, even by taking a cup full of all the cumulative blood on the floor of the Azara, that shouldn't really matter. It shouldn't make a difference. So Abiyudah the time, Yudah Damatamtsis Damayu. So Gemara says, well, Abiyudah's opinion is that Damatamtsis is just good geschmake regular blood. The Tanya is within the Bryce Damatamsis Bazar that if you eat, if you consume Damatamsis, it's, it's a lav, Rabbi Omer Bi Karis, Rabbi says you say Karis, right? Because what does the Pasuk say? It says, Kinefesh Kobasu Damohi Kolochlevi Karis, that anybody who eats blood gets Karis. So, and Tanakama says that that does not apply to Damatamsis. That this blood that kind of, you know, just lingers in the neck after the animal's already dead, if you consume that, you will not be Chayef Kar. So Buddha says, sure you will. And therefore, 
Rabbi Yehuda treats Damatamsis the same way as he treats other blood. And therefore he doesn't care that there's going to be a lot of Damatamsis on the floor of Dazara and subsequently in your cup. But one second, Rabbi Lazar says that Rabbi Yehuda admits that even though you won't be, even though you will be chayv karis for eating damatamtsis, damatamtsis cannot be thrown on the mizbeach as uh, a kapara. So Kilo, when it comes to zrika sadam, still Rabbi Yehuda says that you would not be able to include damatamtsis in the zrika sadam. So again, how can he just be filling up a cup of blood and assume that that's going to work for the zrika sadam? There's going to be plenty of damatamtsis in there. Shneimar, as the pasuk says, ki adamu benefesh yichaper, that it is the blood that benefesh yichaper, that in the soul will have a kapar. Adam shanefesh yotzebom mechaper, blood which the soul, which the animal dies from, that's a kapar. So kilu, the animal's alive, slit the throat, and then you take that first blood as the animal's dying, all the blood that you're draining from the animal that's causing the death of the animal, that is what you throw onto the Mizbeach as a kapara. But once the animal's dead, and now you have lingering residual blood in the neck, well then, that is not going to be what you throw on the Mizbeach. And therefore, um, according to Rabbi Yehuda, when you fill up a cup of the blood, there's going to be plenty of damatamtis in there, and that doesn't go on the Mizbeach. So Rabbi Yehuda, the time of dam so Buddha is according in, in line with his reasoning that his opinion is that blood cannot nullify other blood. And therefore, even though, yes, um, there'll be plenty of damatamtsis in there, but as long as there is some of this blood from this animal whose blood fell on the floor, so that would be enough to be thrown on the Mizbech, any amount of it. And the fact that there's this damatamtsis, blood doesn't interfere with other blood. And therefore, um, that would not be a problem. Okay, so that's Rebuta's suggestion. Take a cup full of blood just from the floor. And as we're going to see in a minute, that there was no shortage of blood pooled up on the floor. So just fill up a cup, throw it on the Mizbeach. And if any blood had fallen on the floor from some Korban Pesach, um, it will now be considered to be thrown on the Mizbeach. Tanya, we learn in a b'risa. Rebuta said to the Chacham, Nidivreichem, Lama Pokkinesa Azara. Very interesting. Okay, so I don't understand exactly the architecture of like this thing, but basically in the Azara, there was this stream that would go, it would like kind of uh, flow through the Azara and the blood on the floor of the Azara from all the korbanos that they would slaughter, you would kind of like sponge it, I guess, or somehow get it into this stream, and then the stream would bring it out of the Azara, and that's how they would keep things clean. So we saw earlier how they would plug up this stream so that the water would overflow and kind of wash away all the blood. But I guess also they would somehow be able to plug up the blood so that it didn't get into the stream, so that it can accumulate in like a pool in the Azara. So... Tanya, so according to you, that you don't take a cup and fill it up of all the cumulative blood. So how come you plug up the Azara so that the blood doesn't go out to the stream? Very interesting response. So Rebuta says, look, I understand why they plug up the hole so that the blood doesn't leave because we want there to be enough blood on the floor so you could take a cup full of it. 
the Chacham say, no, it's not so you can take a cup full of it. It's because it's the Shevach of the Kohanim that they should be mamish, like wading through like a pool of blood. Like it's very mechubad that, you know, so much korbanis going on and so much happening in the Azara that there's so much blood pooled up that the mamish have to like wade through the blood. And that would be like mamish mechubad. Interesting. Praiseworthy. So the Gemara says, okay, that sounds nice, but still, it's a chatzitza. You know, as we learned at the end of Mesechta Erevin, you can't have a chatzitza when you're doing the avoda, right? So therefore, if there's going to be blood on the floor, when the Kohanim are stepping on the floor, they're not, right? There's blood between them and the floor. So the Gemara says, well, the blood is moist, and moist things don't make a chatzitza. So we learn in a Bryce that when it comes to going to the mikveh, so when, it goes to the, when you go to the mikveh, so you can't have a chatzitsu, you can't have anything between your skin and the waters. So what if you have blood on your skin? Or ink, or milk, or honey. So if they're dry, so then it's a chatzitsu. But lachin ain't chatzitsu. But if it's moist, it doesn't make a chatzitza. So the fact that there's blood on the floor won't be an issue of chatzitza. But their clothing is going to get dirty. And the Quranim are not allowed to do that vote in the base of with dirty clothing. As we learn in the Braisa, If you have a fellow whose clothing was stained and was dirty, and he did the avoda in the base of his avoda is possible. So you can't have dirty clothing. So how can you have Kohanim wading around in pools of blood? Obviously, their clothing is going to get bloody. And if you're going to suggest, well, they just kind of lift up their pants. That, um, you know, you're going to make these what, is this by the Mikhnasaim? Yeah, it looks like it. So so the pants that the coin would wear, that they were mido bad. What does that mean? It was mido kimidaso, that his measurement of cloth, meaning they would make Shalyaksavalyosir. That they would make they would fit the the clothing of the quantum to be fit perfectly. That it shouldn't be too long or shouldn't be too short. So we see that we don't want the coin you know, that that we're particular about the measurements of the clothing of the coin of the quantum, that it should be just to the floor, not longer, not shorter. So don't be lifting up your clothing. So So the Gemara suggests, interestingly, okay, so maybe they were only suggesting that they're going to lift up their pants by when they bring the limbs to the Mizbeach, because that technically isn't an avoda. Let's go weiter. Velo is taking things to the taking is taking the limbs to the Mizbeach, not an avoda. From the fact that we need Kohanim to do it, Avoda, it must be in Avoda. The Tanis, we learn in Abraisa, that the Kohen will bring everything to the Mizbech. This is bringing the limbs of the animals to the ramp of the Mizbech. So then the Gemara suggests, okay, so maybe we're suggesting that they can lift up their pants when they bring the wood to the 
uh, fire of the Mizbech to be burnt, that that isn't technically an avoda, so they could lift up their pants, but nonetheless, Frech the Gemara, fine, so then, great, so they could technically lift up their pants when they're bringing the wood to the Mizbech, but still, but still, one second, bigger picture kind of thing. We're saying that there was tons of blood in Nazar that they would have to wade through it. But then that means that their clothing is going to get dirty. How can you have your clothing dirty? So you said, well, I don't know, it doesn't... Wait, so, so then we said, okay, well, you can lift up the pants. But what do you mean? The pants have to be the proper size. You can't lift it up. So then we suggest, okay, but maybe just lift up your pants when you're taking wood to the Mizbech. I was like, okay, great, that sounds fine, but that doesn't help us in terms of like, what about what we described yesterday, that the Kohanim would receive all the blood in these Kalim and then they would bring it to the Mizbeach and stuff like that. Their clothes are going to be getting bloody during that and that's the Avoda. You can't have dirty clothing and you also can't lift up your pants because it has to be the right size. So the more answers, the Maskei Itztebe, very interesting. But the Kohanim, there would be like different platforms there. So yeah, you'd have like pools of blood on the floor and there would be platforms that the Kohanim would be standing on so that they wouldn't have to be getting dirty in the blood. Wow. Very, very interesting scene over there. Says the Gemara, what really says the Mishnah, Ketzatolun mafshitin v'chulek karu ve'otziu emurav nesanam b'magis ve'ektiran. So, right, they would like uh, flay the animal, remove like its skin and things like that, and then they would tear it open with a knife and take out its guts and all sorts of nice stuff. And then they would put it on a plate, you know, like the, the, the fats and stuff that they're going to put on the mizbeach. They would put on a plate and put on the mizbeach. So the Gemara says, one second, was the Yisrael, the non-Kohen who was offering his Korban Pesach, he himself would put the um, these things on the mizbeach? What do you mean? That's like a Kohen kind of thing. So, So meaning, you put the... Uh, fats that are going to go on the Mizbeach onto this plate so that they will then be uh, burnt on the Mizbeach by the Kohen. So we said that then if it was Shabbos, then after they were done bringing their Korban Pesach, the first group would go out to like the Harabayas, the Temple Mount, and then the second group would go into the Chel, the third group would kind of stay where they are. Tana kol echad vechad nosin pischo be'oro Interesting. So the Gemara says that everybody would take the Korban Pesach and wrap it in its skin. So they would have removed, they would already stripped the hide from the Korban Pesach. And then they would take the meat and they would kind of basically make some kind of like satchel with the skin, the hide of the Korban Pesach. And they would put the meat and stuff in the hide and they would throw that over their shoulder. And that's how they would um, transfer it back to their homes and says says of Elish like the Arab merchants would do. Interesting. We will come back to you. The afternoon offering is slaughtered. Interesting. Now we begin the next parak, the sixth parak of Mesech Tapsachim. The following um, steps in offering the Korban Pesach override or really push off Shabbos that even though it's Shabbos you can do them Shritaso slaughtering the carbon Pesach Uzvikas Damo throwing its blood on the Mizbeach Umichui Krava I think that is like 
getting rid of all the excrement from its intestines because if you don't do that on Shabbos, it, it's going to create a mess. Sounds like either way it's going to create a mess. And burning its fats. But roasting it and rinsing, I guess washing the outside of its intestines, that is not Docha Shabbos. You can do that after Shabbos. And because you can do it after Shabbos, don't do it on Shabbos. Now, taking the live Korban Pesach, throwing it over your shoulder, right? and meaning throwing it over your shoulder and then walking through Rosh Hashanah to get to the Beis HaMikdash, or bringing it from outside of Tchum Shabbos, and removing its war. Do you guys remember that? That was at the end of Masech the Psachim. That was a very, no, Erevin. That was a very difficult daf. Very, very difficult daf. Whether you're using it Bechli or Biyad, what was it, Machlokas or Bechanina? And, um, I don't know, probably Belazar. But they didn't say who was who. That was very complicated stuff. Anyway, so, throwing it over your shoulder and walking it through Shusarabim and bringing it from outside of Tchum Shabbos, and removing its warts, they are not, they do not override Shabbos. Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer says that they do override Shabbos. Rabbi Eliezer then argued, it's logical to say that things like removing its warts and bringing it from outside of Tchum Shabbos would be Docha Shabbos. Well, because if Shechita, which is Mamish and Av Milacha, as we know from Masech the Shabbos, and nonetheless, you're allowed to do the Shechita of the Korban Pesach, which is an Isidor Raisa, but you would be allowed to do it. These things, removing its wart, which I guess maybe you're doing it, if you're doing it Biyad, then it's, uh, then it's not in its normal way. And I think that that was kind of like part of the argument in Masechta Erevin about in order for it to be a shvus, it would have to be biyad, not pekli. Anyways, or bring it from outside Tchum Shabbos, assuming that Tchum Shabbos is der Abonon. Um, and then we said, Rashi even explained that like um, bring it in the Rishus Harabim also would be midr Abonon because um, why was it midr Abonon? Ah, right, because of, of course, the concept that we know from Masech Shabbos, Chaynose Esatzmo, that something that's alive carries itself. So therefore, even, even though you're carrying this sheep through Rosh Hashanah, uh, since it's alive, it's technically only also Midir Abonon. So all these things are Midir Abonon. So, Lo Yitcho is a Shabbos, and certainly they should be Doche Shabbos. That's Rabbi Yezer's argument. Omele Rabbi Yoshua. So Rabbi Yoshua says to Rabbi Yezer, Yom Tev Yochiach. For one second, I could disprove your argument from Yom Tif. What about Yom Tif? That you're allowed to do, you're allowed to shecht an animal on Yom Tif to eat it, but you still wouldn't be able to bring it from outside of Tchum Shabbos. So we see that on Yom Tif, you have a precedent for the Orises being permitted, but the Rabbanans being Osir. Or, I guess, Mariah, Rishus le mitzvah. There's a response to Rabbi Yeshua. He says, that's a terrible proof. I'm bringing, 
I'm talking about something in the context of a mitzvah, and you're talking about rishos, meaning when it comes to um, yomtif. So we're talking about bringing an animal from outside the Shabbos so that you can enjoy it on yomtif. I mean, that, that sounds very nice, but, but it's not like in the context of a mitzvah that needs to be done. So therefore, sure, while on yomtif, you wouldn't be able to override um, bringing someone from outside of the trum. But in this case, where we're talking about a Korban Pesach, which is in the context of being able to do a mitzvah, that I'm bringing my Korban Pesach from outside of the trum so I can bring it to the base of and shecht it and have a Korban Pesach. So then I'll say that, well, if I can shecht the Korban Pesach, certainly I can bring it from outside of the trum, which is only midir abonim. Heishiv Rabbi Akiva, so now Rabbi Akiva gets involved, which is also interesting because Rabbi Akiva was a student of Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Eliezer, and also as we're going to see in a minute, he calls Rabbi Eliezer Rabbi. Right, so we have machlokas between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yeshua, and Rabbi Akiva now gets involved. The Omar and he said, Hazoah Well, let me, Rabbi Eliezer, prove you wrong from Hazoah that if you have a fellow who was a Tmei Mace, he became Tomei because he touched a dead body. And it's the seventh day of his Tumah. And it's also Erev Pesach and it's also Shabbos. A lot going on this day. So, if we could give him his sprinkling of the Mechatas, of the water mixed together with the ashes of the Paraduma today, on Erev Pesach, that's Shabbos, well then tonight he'll be able to eat the Korban Pesach. However, if we don't sprinkle him with this mechatas, then he cannot eat the carbon Pesach. And we're saying that even though it's only a shavos, it's only midir abonant, there's no isr midir that you're doing by sprinkling a little bit of water on the fellow, but nonetheless you're not allowed to do it on Shabbos. So it's a shavos, and it's also on Shabbos, and it's also in the context of a mitzvah, so that he'll be able to eat the carbon Pesach that night. So therefore, Rabbi Yezer, also don't be surprised. Al-Elu, regarding these things, bringing the Korban Pesach from outside the Trum, carrying it to Rosh Hashanah, removing its warts. That even though it's in the context of a mitzvah, even though it's only Yosem Yedir nonetheless, they will not be Doche Shabbos. Amul Rabbi Yezer, Rabbi Yezer says to Rabbi Akiva, Pum fakert, the opposite. Rabbi Akiva, I will, exactly, I will argue that point as well. I'm going to apply my same logic there as well. And I'm going to disagree with you and say that just like Shrita of the Korban Pesach is Doche Shabbos, well certainly then, Hazo'a, which is only a shvus, it's only midra abonon, and it's in the context of a mitzvah. Of course it's going to be doche. Of course it's going to be doche Shabbos. Of course you're going to do the hazah shvi'i, right? The, the hazah of the seventh day of Tmeimes on Shabbos. Omlur bi Akiva. So Rabbi Akiva responds to Rabbi Eliezer. Ochilaf, he says, you know what? Rabbi Eliezer, I want to make the opposite argument actually. And I want to say, actually, since we know that Hazor is not Doche Shabbos, right, that sprinkling of the Mechatos on the seventh day of Tumas Meis, when it's Ere Pesach and it's Shabbos, it will not be Doche Shabbos, says Rabbi Akiva, and therefore, 
I will make the opposite argument, which is, If we're going to assume that sprinkling the mechatas is not Docha Shabbos, well then, Well, says Rebbe Kiva, I'll take it so far as to say that since we know that Hazah is not Docha Shabbos, and that's only a Shavos, then certainly Shechita, which is an Amalacha, should not be Docha Shabbos. You shouldn't even be able to Shech the Korban Pesach on Shabbos. So Amalur Rabbi Yezer, Akiva, Kaitamasha Kosov Bator. Rabbi Yezer then says to Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva, what about the Pasuk in the Torah? The Mo'adu, Bein Bechol, Bein Bishabbos. That you offer the Korban Pesach b'mo'ado at its proper time, whether it's the weekday, whether it's Shabbos. So Rabbi Akiva, how can you say that you're not going to shech the Korban Pesach on Shabbos? That's for sure that you're going to shech it on Shabbos. So Amr Rabbi Akiva, Amr lo Rabbi, so then Rabbi Akiva responds to Rabbi Lezer, he says, Rabbi, my teacher, Haveli moid la'elu kimoid l'shchita. So Rabbi Akiva says, yes, you're right. There's a specific pasuk when it comes to Shrita, to say that you're allowed to do the Shrita of the Korban Pesach on Shabbos. Meaning, according to Rabbi Akiva, he says, look, logically speaking, you should not be able to Shech the Korban Pesach on Shabbos. You're not allowed to do Hazah on Shabbos. Right? If you have a person who's the seventh day of his Tumas Mace, you're not allowed to sprinkle the Mechatas on Shabbos. And that's only a shvus, it's only midir abonon. So then certainly, logically speaking, I should not be allowed to shech the korban Pesach. However, we have a pasuk. The pasuk says, b'mo'ado, b'em b'chol, b'em b'shabbos. We have a, specif- a pasuk specifically saying that you're allowed to shech the korban Pesach on Shabbos. But he says, bring me a pasuk to say that I could bring the korban Pesach um, through Rosh Hashanah. Of course, Rabbi Kiva says that Tchum Shabbos is Takmi Doraisa, so maybe that wouldn't be a good proof for him, but that I can remove the warts. From, you know, bring me a Pasuk for these, and then I'll say that it's allowed. But as, as long as you don't bring me a Pasuk like we have for Shrita, well, then I'm going to assume that they're not allowed. Kalam Rabbi Akiva, and Rabbi Akiva says in general, any Malacha that you could have done from before Shabbos, in a Shabbos, will not be Docha Shabbos. Shrita she'iyef shalasosimev Shabbos Docha Shabbos. Whereas Shrita, that you're not allowed to, um, um, so, so Shrita, which you cannot do before Shabbos, so it's going to be Docha Shabbos, right? So meaning, so the, the, so the, so the Pazik says that we're going to do the Korban Pesach on Shabbos, right, on its proper time, even if it's Shabbos, and therefore Shrita, you have to do, in the context of the Korban Pesach, on the 14th day of Nisan, so you do it even if it's even Docha Shabbos. But, you know, removing its wart, let's say, you could have done from before Shabbos, so therefore, it's not going to be Docha Shabbos. Well, that was Daf Samache of Masechta Psachim. I think it was a pretty interesting Daf. What do you guys think? Well, let's go over it. What do we talk about? So, washing the Azar on Shabbos when it was Erev Pesach. So, the Mishnah had said that they would, the only difference between Shabbos and and, and a weekday was that on Shabbos when they would wash the floors of the Azara, the Chachamim were not happy that they were doing it. So the question is, who are these Chachamim? So first we said it's um, Rabbi Eliezer, so Rabbi Chizda says it's Rabbi Eliezer, whose opinion is that washing, uh, that, that sweeping is also Mito Oraisa. And therefore, um, if we're going to compare washing the floor to sweeping the floor, 
So then it would be also midaraisa, and you can't be over and do araisas in the base amikdash, only do abonans. Whereas Ravashi says it could even be the chachamim, because the chacham, when they say, the chacham will say that sweeping the floor is only midarabonan, so it would be a shvus, but shvus is allowed in the base amikdash only in the context of avoda. In this case, the avoda was already done, and now there's just cleaning up the blood after the fact. Even the chacham wouldn't be into that, says Ravashi. Rabbi Huda, we had the opinion of Rabbi Huda, which is that you take a cup and you just, you know, dip it into the pool of blood that's accumulated on the floor of the Azara and you throw that onto the Mizbeach so that you can do Zrika Saddam even for the Korbanis that their blood fell on the floor and got lost. And Rabbi Huda brought as a proof that um, from the fact that we plug up the Azara so that the blood can pool and accumulate, why is that? It must be so you can take a cup of it and throw it on the Mizbeach. To which Chacham say, no, that's not why we plug up the Azar. We plug it up because it's very, it's a shevach, it's a praise, it's amazing if it can be so much blood accumulating on the floor of the Azar that the Kohan and Mamash have to like wade through it, right? It's a shevach ula Chacham that they should be ad akuboseim badom, up until their knees in blood. Oh my goodness gracious. Then we ask Kashas, but what do you mean? Their clothes didn't get dirty. So it actually, in the end, it turned out that there would be platforms that they would stand on so that there could be pools of blood, but they would still be able to avoid getting dirty. Wow. Then we discussed, right, so then we got to the new parak, the sixth parak of Eludvarim. And we talk about the Korban Pesach on Shabbos. Rabbi Eliezer's opinion is that not only is the Shechita of the Korban Pesach Doch Shabbos, but also any Dirabonans associated with it, like such as bringing it from outside Trum, or bring it through Shusarab, which is the Rabbanu, because Chayin will say it's Atzmo. I think something that's alive carries itself. And um, removing its warts. So these are the Rabbanans. So it says Rabbi Lezer, even these things would be Docha Shabbos, as the Kavachomer, that certainly if Shrita is Docha Shabbos, and that's Doraisa, well then these things which are the Rabbanan would be Docha Shabbos. Rabbi Yoshua and Rabbi Akiva disagree, and they say that, no, the Shrita is Docha Shabbos, but any of these other things are not Docha Shabbos, Rabbi uh Akiva says, well, because you could have done these things yesterday, so there's no need to do it today, so it's not going to be Docha Shabbos. That was Daf Samachay. Hope you enjoyed. Have a great day. Peace out.